Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone and welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Max Peterson And I'm Bert And we are recording this on the day it is going to go up Therefore we are technically on schedule again for the first time <laughs> since we started doing this show uh, together, you and I, about a month ago now. Two month and a half ago? Two months ago? Oh, no. I know. There was a couple weeks where we were like, uh, I guess are we, we doing a podcast? We should do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so scary outside. And you know what? It was so scary inside the other day. Uh, we watched a pretty awesome movie today. Uh, we are talking today... About 2007's 30 Days of Night. Now, before I even read the credits, before I get into any of that stuff, I want to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. Um, if you head on over to patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M, you can get all sorts of stuff. Right now, you can get all sorts of stuff no matter who you are. Whether or not you're a patron, I took down paywalls for like basically all of our episodes, or all of our patron-exclusive episodes mm-hmm. for like the last year or maybe year wow. and a half the entire when harry met michael series as far as carl and i got in it fun all open and available mm-hmm. the shape of water mandy hereditary oh. Oh. i know like all of those are like up oh the hereditary mm-hmm. episodes if you are not oh, a patron and have not listened to our three hour and 50 minute like, it was a good it was insane it went so long that like people left and came back and we were still talking about this fucking movie <laughs> um yeah so all of that if you head on over to patreon.com you can get a, a glimpse of what it's like to be a patron uh obviously we are we took down the paywalls during the covid pandemic to kind of give people a little bit more free content give them something to entertain themselves with um once once the world kind of levels out, Carl and I are going to just keep communicating with each other. And once things have kind of leveled out, we'll, we're not ever going to make this stuff uh, paywalled again, but we'll start. Oh, really? Yeah. All the oh. stuff that I've taken the paywalls off of, that's permanent. But then going now. forward. Going forward, gotcha. we will, um, we'll start putting, putting paywalls back up. But we just, we, we really wanted to share the whole experience with many, as many people as possible. It's the only gift that Measuring Flicks has to give <laughs> anybody. So that's, we decided to do that. Um, now, if you do become a patron in the future, you'll get shout-outs on the show that sound a little something like this. Like this! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man! We'd like to thank Brian Jackson! <laughs> We'd like to thank uh, Brian Jackson, Connor Sweeney, Danielle... No, fuck it, I like that voice. Oh, no. Connor Sweeney! <laughs> I'm like that guy. All of Andy our Devine. patrons leave. You don't know who that is. I'm, you're, I'm like, the, if you ever watched an old John Wayne movie or any old Western and there's that weird guy whose voice mm, always cracks, his name's yeah. Andy Devine. Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. What a bummer. Carl, that was for you, buddy. I know you know who Andy Devine is. <laughs> We'd like to thank Danielle Hartley, David Rowney, Jeffrey Morgan, Carl Hartley, Casey Scheibe. Colin Michael Wagner. Oh my God. <laughs> There's like three You more. are. There's three more. Just hey, me... fast. Kevin Ramirez, Sister Sarah Hartley, and William Rockwood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
You're if, the worst. If you hate that voice, if you love mm. that voice, drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast mm. at gmail.com. Now that all that goofy horseshit is out of the way, let's talk about... I, I posted on Facebook about this. I said this to you the second the credits started rolling. I honestly believe that this is one of the most criminally underrated films that I have seen in ages. Sp- films, period, or I would say films? I would say films, Horror period. Films? IMDb has this at 6.6 out of 10, which Fuck, is... Fuck, we didn't rate this one either. I know. We'll, huh. we'll do it as soon as we're done rolling. But uh, that's ludicrous. 6.6 out of 10 for this film is absolutely... It should definitely be higher. It's insane that that is that low. Just like off the cuff, what do you, what, what do you think we would rate it? Right off the top? Oh, yeah. uh, like out of our five-star rating? Yeah. Do we give jo- are we going to give Josh Hartnett a half-star for Babe Factor? No. Because he's constantly in the... Okay, do we give any of the... He's also just kind of gross. Do we give any of the... Well, they all are. They don't bathe I for know, 30 days. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, I can't see this getting any less than four. But yeah. I, I say probably more. I say I bet you this ends up being a five-star flick. Honestly. Okay. Can you think? I there. This was... I, that's what I was thinking in my head. Off the top stars. of your head, yeah. the, the gore is amazing. Oh, it's great. fucking amazing. Yep. The production's amazing. The characters are amazing. The plot makes total sense and is mm-hmm. great. This is totally a, a, a five-star flick. It's awesome. All right. So this is, again, we're talking about 2007's 30 Days of Night, directed by David Slade. And we're going to get into this a little bit because a lot of these people have actually some, they have interesting careers that kind of lead into this film, including David Slade, who fucking unfortunately went on to direct one of the Mm. Twilight films. Um, But we don't hold that against him because- Great vampire movie. Horrible vampire movie. This is controversial statement right up top. I'm going to say this is probably- at least for mm-hmm. now, my favorite vampire film. And we're going to talk about it because we got we to gotta okay. suss yeah, that yeah, out. But, sure. yeah. um, starring Josh Hartnett, Melissa George, fucking Danny Huston. Who's Danny Huston? Oh, main vampire. Oh, yeah. The axe man of good. New Orleans from American Horror Story. He's a Story. good bad guy. Danny Huston is good all the time. He's amazing. He's a ma- an amazing character actor. He like pops up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Very seldom the lead, but always he's always exceptional in he everything is, yeah. he's in. I think this for me is probably his pinnacle. My for me, this is my Danny Huston pinnacle performance, dude. His his vocalizations of the vampire language, mm-hmm. the script, like they give him all the best lines in the movie. It's true, they do. Yeah, yeah. He his name's Marlo. That <clears throat> character's name. <clears throat> Marlo has by far the greatest lines in this and none of them one of them is in English no god that's Mm, fucking awesome mm -hmm, all right mm -hmm. uh also starring uh Mark Boone Mark Boone Jr he's the he's the um tries to blow himself up hairy guy you see him and shit all the time I love seeing him and stuff too he plays the corrupt cop in Batman Begins the guy what you don't (gasps) you don't like falafel that's him yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh Ben Foster as the stranger he is so. Oh, I like Ben Foster. He's, he's amazing. always doing good work. You're, you're, uh, our first exposure to Ben Foster, both of us, the Punisher. The Punisher, definitely, right? I think so. Hey, Bird, guess what we're gonna watch for the show? Because fucking you, bad dude. Can we have a double? <laughs> no one can see the face I just made. <laughs> That's a. It's a good thing we don't have a video component because mm. my erection's visible over the table. <laughs> Ben Foster is so good in this as the stranger oh that God. Bird and I argued about whether it was him because she's like, it's totally him. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. No, there's no way it doesn't sound anything like him. His his 
face changes. His performance. His nasty ass teeth. Oh my god! Well, yeah, the teeth make it kind of tricky because you're like, uh, no, that's not Ben Foster. This is a this is some guy with mouth leprosy. I don't know who this is. Uh, also starring Amber Sainsbury, Megan Frannick. She plays the uh, female vampire who's kind of like the consort of Marlowe who gets mm-hmm. burned by Hartnett. She is pretty hot. And, and Mark Rendell. As uh, he's he plays Jake, the younger brother of Eben. I feel like we've seen him in quite a few things too. As like you know, more of a supporting cast. He does role. pop up. Yeah. yeah, I recognized him as well. And uh, now this, you'd seen this before. I showed you this movie, yes. right? This, I think in college probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I those early, was this one of those like I got a test around those, those early days. I think it was <laughs> those early days of college when we were like, you were like, oh, let me show you this movie, and it was like like Phantom of the Opera, and I was like, oh yeah, Gerard Butler, Phantom of the Opera, really cool. You fell asleep. I did. You also fell asleep during Repo many times. Yeah, we did watch Repo all the way through once for our. Was it our three-year anniversary? It was one of them, yeah. One of our big anniversaries, because that's how we met, was I, we were pretending like we were going to watch Repo mm-hmm, the Genetic Opera, mm-hmm. but really we just hung out. It was an excuse, yeah, yeah to yeah, get yeah. together, yeah. But this, so my, f- uh, shout out to my, f- oh, I don't know, <laughs> it's a crime. Can you say this? Uh, a friend There's of mine. There's statues of limitations on There this? must be. There's, there must be. I know he doesn't it's gotta listen. It's going to be like 20 years ago. Probably, yeah. This is like way... But just to be on the safe <laughs> side, I'm going to like mad shout him out. Because he's a, he, he was a really good buddy of mine in high school. And I haven't, uh, I haven't been in touch with him recently. But a friend of mine made me a copy. Mm-hmm. And it is like a DVD-R copy with like shitty like 30 days of scrawled on it and like off-brand Sharpie. But when you pop that sucker in special features so you can change the sound setup it's got it, it's amazing he made me a, like a perfect copy uh our copy of evil dead or no our copy of army of darkness yes also, also made way. by him he fabricated the menu screens he made remember that he's yeah. amazing this guy's amazing dan dan we'll call 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 him dan that's close enough <laughs> he won't he never doesn't <laughs> listen to the fucking show but Matt, you don't know that him. he might i watched this movie every day for probably a month and then after that yeah me and sam were obsessed with this movie um well actually i made him watch it like one time sam doesn't really like scary movies so he watched this once and was like i don't know buddy but i watched this obsessively as a kid but i hadn't watched it since until college okay teenager 17 i was 17 yeah um and then uh i saw it in theaters I thought it was fucking incredible. One of the Before first. Before you got this bootleg version? Yeah. Okay. That's why I got it. Gotcha. So I was like, I have to own this, but I'm 17 and I spent all my money on guitars and amplifiers. Oh. So 30 Days of Night, it's based on a comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was originally released as issues, mm-hmm. but I can't remember. So I'm just going to call it a comic. It might have been a graphic novel. It's written by Steve Niles and illustrated by Ben Templesmith. You and I were geeking out about Ben Templesmith a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier. He's phenomenal. If you don't know what Ben Templesmith's art looks like, just look him up. It's fucking awesome. He has a really unique style. Was this under Vertigo? No, this was under IDW. They're a primarily horror comic. Uh Um, Like a, they, they specialize in horror comics and movie franchises. I believe they all, they might own... It Sounds used, familiar. Yeah, it used to be Dark Horse that owned like Predator, Terminator, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure IDW ended up with some of those properties. But 30 Days of Night is definitely one of theirs. Yeah, this um, is more of a Dark Horse title. The comic that. is amazing. There are some other credits here that I didn't mention in up top, which is this film is produced by Sam Raimi. 
yeah of evil dead and uh spider i don't know why spider-man was one of them yeah he did the first and third ones i think um he might have done all three actually uh and then he did drag me to hell which is amazing if you haven't Uh, seen drag me to hell so good uh the script was written by steve niles and two other people but steve niles gets top credit he wrote the original comic this that comic is all over this movie and the production team the people who did like the special special makeup effects were weta well, I was like not ready. Who for did? That. <laughs> and where do we know the name Weta from? Lord of the Rings. They did all of the like mo- like monster makeup That's and special their, like, makeup effects. Big claim to fame is Lord of the Rings because yeah. this film was shot in New Zealand exclusively. Exclusively, yeah. <laughs> Which, dude, the what? you got the Lord of the Rings. You have the Lord of the Rings effects makeup team doing a vampire flick uh, produced by Sam Raimi. And they did with some a, digital work too. The, uh, Weta, Weta did, did? Yeah. yeah yeah there's there's a couple spots in here where there's like one spot that you pointed out where you can tell this you can see the CG but I think for 2007 the CG holds up all the way and the one point th- that you pointed out the blizzard uh-huh. do you want to talk about the blizzard let's let's yeah. start let's start at the beginning and work our way through this movie's incredible Josh Hardnett's the lead Danny Huston's the main bad guy basically uh, it takes place in the town of Barrow Alaska which is above the Arctic Circle. So every year the sun sets and there is no sun for 30 days, a full month right. in the dark. So there's some vampires who figured this out and they wait. And on the day that the sun sets, the vampires roll into town. It And then, you know, it's a survival movie. It's based, it's the right. genre called Monster in the House. You try and outlive the monster. So, I mean, this this movie starts with, I think you have a note about it too, like right off the bat, the opening credits are so yes. stylish and slick. Yeah, they're sexy. They are. They totally are. Well, this guy, David Slade, got his start uh, directing music videos, correct? Yes. You can see that sensibility mm-hmm. in a lot of the directorial choices. And in the end credits too. Very much so. Yeah. The end credits are... They're great. The credit they're sequences. very gritty, stylish. You know, um, you know what they remind me of a little bit? They remind me of... You've seen the extended... Dave McKean? Kind of. Mm-hmm. I was going to say you've seen the extended cut of The Punisher. Remember the opening credits of The Punisher where there's like bullets will come and it'll hit a portion of black and then gray blood will spread and then the blood oh, drips. Oh, yes. The credits, yeah. yeah, Punisher credits in this. And then we're talking about the good Punisher movie 2004 starring Tom Jane and John Travolta, which we're going to watch soon because, dude, your face is like just glowing. Wait, we'd have to watch the sequels though. How many are there? There's one sequel, Warzone, and there's one pre. There's one that was made before this with Dolph Lundgren, also called The Punisher, but he doesn't even wear a skull T-shirt in it. We could watch it hmm. though if you wanted. It's a Dolph Lundgren flick. Yeah, I think we have to. I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I lament that we won't be able to watch the uh, Netflix original uh, Punisher series. He's right? yeah, that so that, good. I think that I can't remember his name unfortunately, but I think that actor is the best Punisher there's ever been, <gasps> other than Tommy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your fa- I, I was like, no, no, you don't, you don't understand. Leave. <laughs> um, this film made right away. The first thing that popped for me watching Thirty Days of Night is is how visually cohesive the de- how well designed it is. Mm-hmm. All of the design elements, including the lighting, their costuming, the makeup effects, and the grade and the way they're shooting, all of those things 
work together to create a very cohesive and extremely stylish visual picture. Oh, yes. Yeah. Even the camera work, I think, complements it. Like, one of the things I noticed right away was it, the early parts of this film make really beautiful use of gradients. Now, I'm going to try, I'm going to try and talk like an artist so you can help me with this. But I think they establish early on how cold and desolate Alaska is through the use of extremely subtle shifts in gradient. Like, for example, I noticed like most of the early shots are predominantly gray, washed out blue, white, or black. Mm -hmm. Sharp black. Okay. So it's like this extreme cold color palette where they they crush all of the... They, they desaturate everything to the point where every everything seems to blend into everything else. It's beautiful. It's almost like looking at like an alien world. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Um, they also, uh, I, I should say Slade. I don't know who shot this, but he, you can tell that. Oh, yeah. I you can tell look. that his eyes are on this because of that the music video vibe that some mm-hmm. parts of it have. But also some really high, some really excellent and counterintuitive filmmaking. Like, for example... Almost every time we see someone in a vehicle, mm-hmm. we get an action follow of the car. You know, because hmm. we all of the all the roads in in and out of Barrow, Alaska, are mm-hmm. snow roads. Right. It's not like a highway. It's like trucks on snow, and mm-hmm. the roads are like one. Drifts. Yeah. Well, there's drifts across them, and they're also like one car wide, mm-hmm. one and a half cars wide. They're pretty narrow. So every time we see someone driving, uh, except for like one point near the middle. But we're behind them. We follow them. And it's because the roads are so rough, it it makes you realize that even something so simple as driving is dangerous up here. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, it shows you the extremity of this location. Oh, yeah. When you see um, Stella as she's like heading towards the airport, her truck does some shimmying. Oh, yeah. it's She's all over the road right before the big stop your yes. heart collision yeah. with oh, the chainsaw God. truck. <laughs> If she had been like a minute or a thirty second seconds, faster, yeah. and that would have gone through the pat- the driver's side window and killed her, probably. Yeah, this Look. it's really scary. The crash is super scary, but I like that. That rather than tell us, which they you know we see like there's a reason we live up here because we're the only ones who can. You know, we're pretty hardcore people, right? But even the can even the choice to not shoot vehicles on a on sticks rather you know shoot from a follow car Mm -hmm. all of these little camera choices reinforce how harsh this place is Mm -hmm. i love that i just thought that was so great they built the whole town by the way i know that i've watched the remember how i watched this every day for like a month Uh you can only uh do that so uh many times before you watch it with the commentary on and go and watch all the special features which actually Uh You would like the special features. There's a, a making of documentary. It's like uh, Diaries of Darkness, I think mm-hmm. it's called, or something like that. And they follow the cast and crew around, and you see, you get to see Danny Huston like put getting his prosthetics put yes. in. Oh, it's so fun. Um, the, a really hard shoot, as you might imagine. Oh yeah. Because during the during this shoot, the only way that they could get because so much of the movie is exteriors, mm-hmm. the only way that they could really get the vibe right for those exterior shots. All the cast and crew and director, everyone involved, flipped their sleep schedules and they shot at night. The Is whole that from time. the commentary? It's from the special features. Oh, okay. Um, the trivia on IMDb said different. 
uh, like some interiors are shot during the day, mm-hmm. and I think some action sequences where there's a lot of fire, they were able to hide the. But for the majority of the shoot, like call times were, I think, like 11 p.m., mm-hmm. and they shot until like 5 a.m. It was a re. Oof. Yeah, it was a pretty. Some chunks of this were pretty brutal, according to the special features. Yeah. And I'm going to trust those over IMDb because just anybody yeah. can type in stuff on IMDb. Um, so what did you think? I, another, pr- so pretty early on, we're establishing, we're introduced to Eben through the burnt cell phones. Yes. Which is such yeah. an, it's such an ominous detail because, and it, it's a cool choice too, because yeah. we start wide and we see two men looking down at the charred smoldering remains of something. It looks like a like a snow fire, you know, like um it looked to me like a torched it looked like a burned animal. Like somebody had torched oh. a dog. And it'd been so long since I saw this movie that I forgot what mm-hmm. it was at first and then I saw the cell phones and I was like, oh, Well the way God. they were stacked, it kinda looked like a It's a lump, like a burning, greasy black smoking lump. I, I see but I like that we start Before wide. we zoom in, yeah. Yeah, so you mm-hmm. see these two guys looking down at something burned in the snow and you know you're watching a horror movie. Yeah. So you're like, Ooh. also, it's like getting close to dusk because this is, we start on the last day of sun in right. Barrow. Oh, it's like, what a great structure for the film. We don't see like four days of sunlight. No, let's establish our characters. Dude. Right. We're like, We're the vamp- the, we start on the day the vampires arrive. Like the day that the stranger arrives. Yeah. The stranger arrives and the vampires arrive that, that night. That night. Yeah. yeah. So that we're like, but when the movie starts... We're real time, like one hour from Vampire Invasion. It's such a oh, and it never feels rushed. It doesn't feel overly long. The pacing is so good, but uh, I really love that how we're introduced to our character is introducing all of these strange things that are these strange things that he. Uh, we watch Eben try to put the dots together. Why would someone? Oh, why would somebody steal? Mm-hmm. He, someone went around town and stole everybody's cell phone, mm-hmm. put them in a pile, and burned them. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing, trippy thing that we see is, which is horrible. Yeah. We see the uh, that one family's all their sled yeah. dogs are killed mm-hmm. by a person with a knife. Good choice of knife too. It's not like a like a Michael Myers knife, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's. It's like a fang. It's uh, it's long and thin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like a uh, like a carving knife, kind of. Yeah. But the way that the dog slaughter is shot, we never actually see dogs die, but mm-hmm. we see blood hit the snow. We see chains pull taut. We hear the sounds of meat and blood and mm-hmm. and yipping dogs, and that was very music video-y to me. Like we're. <laughs> You know, uh, put a Marilyn Manson score behind it, you know? Sure. Like Marilyn Manson's playing the song and then blood hits the snow and the chain snaps tight. It's like these peripheral glimpses in really fast succession that seeing it that way as it happens makes for made for me later on when we're getting those overhead shots of like even talking with the family mm-hmm. and you see the patches of blood where the dogs were. Yeah. But the family has moved their dead animals at this point. We do see them though. For yeah. A, um, like a you do see some of the dead now. dogs. Yeah. But when you see the carnage from above static. Yeah. It's really gross. And also it mimics the human carnage that we see later yeah. because we shoot it from the same angle. Bird's eye straight down. It's very cool. There's just a lot turn of into a blood patch. 
you kind of do. Oh man, the the blood patches in this movie. I I also like. You want to talk about blood? One of my favorite parts of this movie is the attention to continuity. Now I'm sure if you go on IMDb, there's going to be like, oh, I noticed a continuity error. The clock actually goes back five minutes. <laughs> Shut up. You know. A waste of time. I know. Like who's watching these? I love how the van as the month stretches on. We get the little, you know, like day 14, day 23, mm-hmm. day 27. As the month stretches on, Danny Huston pops his top button, pops his second button. There's more blood on his shirt. There's more blood on his face. As the month progresses, the vampires, they come in looking slick and correct. Mm-hmm. And by the end, a lot of them are disheveled. Many of them have like ripped or torn clothing from I, fighting humans or right. whatever. Yeah, and our survivors too. Like we start mm-hmm. with a clean-shaven Josh Hartnett, and you were like, "Oh, he would have a beard if he lives in Alaska." And I'm totally. like, "They made him clean-shaven so that he can grow a beard over the course of 30 uh, days of night." Um, I have to say though, I hate that thing that Hollywood does where it's so cold, but people are like. They don't have beards. They're not wearing scarves. They're not wearing huge hats or, you know, it's just. Um, you can only, you, you can only, you can do only so cover much. your actors up so much. I get. Yeah. But. Tom Hardy has, has really had to fight in many of the movies that he's been in recently um, because the producers don't want to cover his face because mm-hmm. he's Tom Hardy. Right. You know, they're like, he's the most, he's like the, one of the most famous actors on earth. You can't put his face behind a mask and make him Bane because then you can't see Tom Hardy's face. Mm-hmm. He had to fight for that. He had to fight for Dunkirk where he's got the pilot's mask on and all you see is his eyes for the whole movie. Hmm. Like they were like, we got to see Tom. But he was there's famously in Locke. He grew up. He had a big beard, mm-hmm. like a pretty beard. He had a beard, you know, Thick. like unkempt. It didn't look like a clean, you know, Hollywood actor beard. He grew like a fucked up, like hmm. youper beard. Because he was in that movie, he plays like a like a construction worker. Oh, so he gets in the he gets in his car. He's like a foreman of a construction mm-hmm. site. So he gets in his car and drives, and the whole movie is just like close ups of his face. But he's got this fucking huge like fuzzy beard on his face. Fuzzy beard. And the producers were like, "Can we shave his face? I don't want to be looking at a beard. I can't see him behind this beard." And Tom Hardy, uh, he uh, after that movie was done. He did an interview for GQ. I think this mm-hmm. is such a great story. Mm-hmm. He went and did an interview for GQ called, "Is Hey, isn't that Tom Hardy the best, uh, greatest actor of his generation? And GQ asked him to shave his beard. They're like, oh, we're, we're going to put you on the cover. So mm-hmm. we really want to show off that Tom Hardy face. And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry. He, uh, the exact quote is, I'm sorry, man. I'm not going to shave my beard off for just for your magazine. That'd kind of be like handing you my balls, wouldn't it? <laughs> hmm. Right? Don't, don't. You're not going to tell me to shave my beard. It's... I, you know who I am? I'm Tom Hardy. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf knocked me out. Um, I, the, the prosthetics and the the actual like, because we do see, I, I was wrong actually remembering. There is one dog we see get stabbed. It's a dummy. Remember? It's that. Uh, it's, is it like down through the head? Yeah. While or- it's laying on the ground. Yeah. It's, an, it, it's a quick shot. There's two in this. Uh, one is the dog that gets, I think it gets stabbed through the head on the ground and the, mm-hmm. the dummy looks great. And then later on, you call him Papa Bear, the big f- furry mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He get, Danny Huston steps on his head and crushes his skull. Wish. Oh, and Billy. Billy. The axe. Oh, the axe. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Decapitating Billy. may have actually Billy. just killed an actor. Yeah, that's why I didn't list him in the credits. R.I.P. <laughs> actor who plays Billy. You literally got killed by Josh Hartnett for this movie. It looks so good. The, and, and, fuck, dude. 
I just like everything that I want to talk about just reminds me of another thing in that scene that I want to talk about. <laughs> Decapitating Billy at the Ugh. end. Yeah. The sound design, dude. The first hit, it's all bone and meat. The second hit, you hear the axe hit the metal drum behind him. Mm. So it's like, mm-hmm. and then it's like, as the axe goes all the way through Billy's head. And then they show it hanging off by just like yeah. tendons oh, yeah. and, and gristle. Yeah, I know. It's pretty, like that sound was Bird doing the, basically, like, the, the, it was, yeah, Montalban. It's the, the gore. In this movie is it's just great. the uh, blood is gooey and sticky. They got mm. they got the blood down, down pat. Oh my god, the blood <laughs> is so good. The blood in the snow looks great. Uh-huh. The the slick the really slick way that bl- the blood coats the vampires' faces. Mm-hmm. There's one shot. Uh, it's I can't remember exactly where, but it's when the it's that one shot where the bl- yeah here it is. Um, the sheer amount of blood on their faces. Okay, remember the grouchy coward? Grouchy coward. Yeah, the shitty guy who's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy? Mm-hmm. Remember the? Uh, there's a scene where they're all running and the blonde, that blonde vampire, the kind of like Farrah Fawcett hair, blonde, with, she's got big blonde hair. Man, she no. grabs him and gets on his neck and all the rest of the survivors like turn to look at her and as they turn, she does like a, a you know, a, a, she turns to look up at him really mm-hmm. suddenly and her face from forehead to collarbone is soaked in this motherfucker's blood. <laughs> like, how many times you watch a vampire movie where like, I'm, I'm getting your jugular vein and they look up and it's like there's a trickle from one mm. corner of their mouth and their lips are like a little red. Oh, yeah. These vampires are different. They're not like the two long fangs that you just kind of like puncture the, no. the jugular vein and just, I don't know. Drinking fountain it. Every tooth in their mouth is And they like, like they look go like, at you like a piranha. Their mouths look like shark mouths. You know yeah. what I mean? Like every They made me think of like lampreys. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um and I I know you haven't read the comic, but the design, the vampires in the comic look almost exactly like the vampires in this movie. We, of course, you know, you can't... There's stuff that Ben Templesmith does that you can't do on film without using a lot of CG these days. Mm-hmm. Like, his vampires, the mouths are a little too tall and the teeth are, like, needle sharp. Mm-hmm. But they they catch the vibe just perfectly. I just... I love... I love the attention to detail and the... And the, uh, like, the the faithfulness to it, to the original source material that you see in this movie. It was definitely done very lovingly. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Um... But obviously, the the guy who wrote the original was working on the script. So mm-hmm. let's talk about let's talk about the the stranger and get to the vampires, and then I want to pause before we t- continue to like dig into like the the plot and the and just gush about the gushing mm-hmm. blood of the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about the vampires mm-hmm. in in the canon of all vampires. Okay. Because I kept saying something throughout this entire movie, and I want to revisit it on the podcast, and you can feel free to disagree with me here. But let's first go back to The Stranger, mm-hmm. played by Ben, Fo- brilliantly by Ben Foster. Mm-hmm. So do you remember, you remember when we were watching um, The Terror at your aunt's house? Oh, my God. This made me think of The Terror, too. Totally, yes. right? When when the stranger's walking across the ice floes yes. towards town. And that nasty-ass ship is, like, parked off the... Like Wherever? frozen, frozen yeah. in. 
I love this because that this is this is one of those great things that you can do in a movie and directors so often like chicken shit out of and mad props David Slade mm-hmm. that ship never explained yeah there's a huge black like frigate frozen in maybe 20 miles like a ways away from town so that no one has really noticed it before because mm-hmm. we see we see Ben Foster's character walk for a long time you know like he's he coll- it, like takes him basically all day to get there. Yeah, he like and yeah. he almost collapses. And he's walking yeah. across like frozen ocean and like wasteland. So it's yeah. not like where trucks are driving by. So that that ship, we have no fucking idea what that is, where it came from, how long it's been there, but we can infer that vampires are on it. That's where the vampires mm-hmm. have been hanging out. And also, we know that it, you know like it has taken us centuries to convince them that we are just bad dreams. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. A quote from the end of the film. From the end yeah. of the film, yeah. I I don't think they were there the whole time. I think they've... Oh, yeah. I think they just, like, showed up. They've been all over the world, and they were like, we found some towns where it's dark for a full month. Mm-hmm. And they, what, got on a ship, killed everyone on the ship, reported it lost at sea, and then sailed north and waited. Uh, oh, it's just yeah. great because it's such... It's a mystery, dude. I just love it. Um, the The walk the walk there his haunted face like deep in that hood it looks awful but he's he goes away you know he he does the same thing in the punisher just Mm -hmm. in a different direction different character different needs but like in this one man like when he this the stranger when he gets to town Mm -hmm. and we see him in the he goes into the little diner yeah and he he asks for whiskey and she's like well we don't have any. And by the way, the, the way he does it, he goes, "I like a glass of whiskey." It's just such a fucking strange mm-hmm. voice, you know. You don't bring me what I want to eat, what I want to drink. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, he's a Renfield. The stranger is oh, a Renfield character. Yeah. And that's another thing that I absolutely love about the the character of the stranger, which mm-hmm. is he's. When I say Renfield, the first thing I know, the first thing that pops into Carl's head, and probably yours too, is. <laughs> no, I was thinking of him eating bugs. You know, like that Renfield is such a defining Renfield. Mm-hmm. Tom Waits even kind of tips his hat to it in the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Yes. This, this to me is Ben Foster putting his own stamp on the Renfield archetype Mm -hmm. because that voice does not belong in any human mouth I don't know anywhere have you ever heard anyone talk like that ever um no but I haven't been everywhere I know but what I'm saying is is it's a very it reminds me of like Tom Hardy's Bane voice choice Mm-hmm. Where they were like, all right, so what are you going to do? Like some sort of like, my name is Bane. And he's like, well, I'm going to talk as though I'm a, like an 18th century English aristocrat. Because that's probably how Bane would have learned English. And everyone was like, pardon me? And then you end up with a Bane that rather than being like, Batman. He's like, oh, yes, Batman. What a counterintuitive choice that is so perfect for that character. Right. Ben Foster could have sat down and been like, I need whiskey. Bring me some he did some he did some digging into his character and who yeah. he thought that guy was oh, before yeah. he got here. Yeah. That that character is 360 degrees for sure. Like when he even when he breaks down in the cell or when he gets shot mm-hmm. and he's like mm-hmm. you son of a bitch, you know, and he's all pissed off that he got shot or whatever. Like 
all of his reactions because he's kind of truculent when he gets shot. He's kind of like, like, um, he's like pouting rather yeah. than really oh, yeah. hurt because you get the sense that the vampires have hurt him. So like, yeah. this ain't that bad. He just got shot. He knows that. I think he knows this guy's life experiences. Yes, and he can translate that into a performance. His his verbalization, his vocal performance is just. It gives me chills thinking about it. You know, he did a great job. He did yeah. a goddamn great job. Yeah, I feel like if you sat down with him during the filming of this movie and just asked him random questions about his character, I feel like he could. He could tell them. you. Yeah. yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know that much about Ben Foster, but I haven't seen anything with him in it since I started doing the podcast with Carl to hmm. almost three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And this movie makes me want to find more shit with him in yeah. it. Yeah, because. He's good. Same thing with Danny Huston. I'm like, I want to know what else he's done. And I want to yeah, watch some of yeah. it, you know? Um, yeah, damn, that drifter is so good. Uh, I really love... Oh, yeah, I've got stark, sparse cinematography. Light on the snow, on the metal, bars, glass. That is when the sun finally does go down. Mm-hmm. Because the sun sets before the drifter gets to town. Or no, no, uh, no. Before uh, Eben arrests him, Eben arrests him after dark. Yeah, where do they find him? I don't even remember. He's at the diner. Oh, right, right. Eben right. comes He's causing problems. Yeah, right. Well, like he gets the call. Remember? Mm. So he, all the things get burned. Somebody kills a bunch of dogs. Somebody kills a bunch of dogs. And then this guy. No, he goes out first to like the trash compactor place and they find that somebody has crippled the only helicopter in town. Yes. And thrown like all, all of this. All the guts guy's, of it. Yeah. The, well, the guts of it and the, the pilot's radio. flight gear. Yeah. The oh, radio, yeah. his headphones, mm-hmm. like all of his shit got thrown through this like trash grinder. Yeah. Which doesn't really matter. And that, also the um the satellite or their like um internet or something that is all their phones that's That's, after they arrest the guy is it yeah because then he goes to that he gets a he comes back to the station after all this wild shit who are you working with no not yet because he goes okay (laughs) cell phones Mm -hmm. dogs die Mm -hmm. uh dogs are killed sorry dogs are murdered unfeelingly by this bastard ben foster i'll never watch another thing with him (laughs) in it what a sick son of a bitch uh, these fake, these dogs who aren't real are murdered by another character who's not real, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just heartbroken. It is sad. The dog death is sad. Um, then we get the um, the helicopter shit, where all the helicopter stuff went into the trash compactor, and he runs back to the station to check in. That's when he goes over to Jake, who's playing like Dungeons and Dragons, and he yeah. opens his desk drawer and it's full of weed. Yeah, like, which is grandma's weed. Yeah, he's yeah. like, Jake, what is this? And he goes, It's pot. It's for grandma. It's for her cancer. And he's like, Oh, so this is why you moved yeah. out. No, I see why you wanted to go and stay with grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets a call. They're like, Oh, there's a call. There's somebody, blah, 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 blah. Being a douche at the diner. No, I think I don't think it was the diner. I think he gets the call about you know we watched we watched this movie two days ago, but in two chunks. In yeah. two chunks. I think he watched um, and it was only because I had to work at five in the morning, so that's that was what took us a while. But uh, yeah, he so there's the helicopter thing, and I think he just pops into the diner to check on stuff, mm-hmm. and that's when he notices, hey, there's a stranger here, and he's being weird. So Eben has started to put together that all of the things that are happening are things that would make it harder for the populace to connect with the outside world. And now there's a stranger in town. 
So that's why he's talk. That's why he is like interested in this guy. He's like, oh, look at you. Okay, time to. And you're here after everybody's left. Right. Everybody's left. And he goes, and he asks, I love that. I, ooh, I fucking love when he asks him because he's like, how'd you get in? Because mm-hmm. nobody, he's like, you couldn't, you didn't drive in. Nobody saw you. And then, you know, like, there's no. Can't find a car that's yours. Yeah. And yeah. he's also like, there's nothing near here. So where the fuck did you come from? Mm-hmm. Why don't we go outside and talk about it? It's just, and this is where we're introduced to Stella. Yeah. Who, well, we are introduced to her a little bit earlier. We meet her. Yeah, we meet we her. We see them really. This is where interact. they meet for the first yes. time. Uh, by the way, they are, they were married or are. I think they are separated. Se- well, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I had thought that they were like boyfriend girlfriend. But if you look in the credits, they have the same last name. Yeah. So they were yeah. they're married and separated. Yeah. She's working for what the fire marshal now, like the Alaskan fire marshal, something like that. I think that, he yeah. says the fire marshal lets you carry still carry that, and she goes, you know, it's weird they never asked. Uh huh. Or I never asked because she still got her piece. Right. She backs up even arresting this guy. A former police officer on the. She was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She worked with him. I think Billy stepped up into her place when she left. Mm, okay. I love the shot of the stranger in the cell because the station is dark, but the cell is lit. Mm-hmm. You know, like the cell is kind of like bright. Where he's standing in the middle or where he's laying on the where bench? He, where he's standing. Uh-huh. When he's standing and the camera's like pulling in on the bars. Mm-hmm. It's just, And he's, and Foster's monologuing in that like cryptic weird voice where he's like. Creeping everybody out. Yeah, he's like, yeah. lock your dolls. Buy your windows. You know, pray to your God. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what you do. They are coming. <laughs> it's like a main accent, kind of. It's like borderline a main accent, like dragged through. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. Because <laughs> the vampires are coming. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking sort of like Nebraska-y. And Eben's sort of like, North vampires Florida, don't exist. They're dead. And then he's like, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is a mainer. I you know, it's it is kind of many. I like that actually. Um, did you notice that uh, during the arrest sequence, not the arrest sequence, but when he's jailed and he's saying like he's looking at you and his teeth are like oozing out <sighs> of his mouth. Um, the score, I thought it was really cool. It's when uh, they find out because after they lock him up, his the grandma notices that the internet is down. Right. And then even picks up the phone to call the dude who run, like deals with the internet. Mm-hmm. And the yes, phones are yes, down. Yes, 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 yes. And he goes out there. Yeah. yeah, and he goes like, "I better go check on blah blah blah." And that's when uh, the stranger goes like, "Yeah, go check on him. Won't make a bit of difference. Don't give me what I want to drink." And you're like, "Yeah, we covered that. <laughs> we covered that, man. <laughs> Calm down, Ben Foster. <laughs> you're creeping all of us out." Um, which he is. Like, he eventually takes a hostage just by being creepy. <laughs> Good for him. So is this when we get our first human death by vampire? When they take out the uh, the cell phone or like the, the I think so. satellite internet Head tower? Head on stake, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I love how the guy who like runs the satellite tower that where they get their internet, he mm-hmm. goes outside with his flashlight and I love how this is shot because there's nothing in front of, between the camera and him. Mm-hmm. But we see like a vampire go by in the mm-hmm. background. And then and you can see him reacting to stuff and seeing things that we beyond the camera. Yeah, yeah, that we can't see. And then every time we see one of those like woofs or hear hear like a vampire past the 
past the camera, we cut to like a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. And each time we're making those those little moves, there are more vampires in the background and they're forming a circle with each cut. Mm-hmm. It's fucking, it's scary. It's like legit scary because it's, there's something about knowing that for the rest of this film, there will not be daylight that makes things more tense for me. It's like whatever's going to happen, it's always going to be night. What makes horror movies scary? With the exception of um, 1979's Halloween. Or, I'm sorry, 1978's Halloween. The nighttime thing? The nighttime. Like, if you see Jason, if you see Jason Voorhees in broad daylight, he's like a big kind of doofy looking doofy, guy. Yeah, he looks dumb. Kind of chubby. <laughs> Jason Voorhees in pitch blackness with a ki- with a camper's head clutched in his fist. Right, very different. Yeah, this movie gives us... 30 days of full darkness to fuck around in it's yeah one of the first things i said when we started this movie was i could never do that yeah i I could never ever be in i I, it's too desolate first off and no way could i go without sunlight for 30 days i'd freak out i liked some of the (laughs) plants i like some of the early bits where like you see husbands and wives and like the husband in one case a husband stays behind and the wife goes and like stays with her parents in anchorage or wherever sure. you know fairbanks um and she's just like and she's she's explaining she's like i'm sorry i just i can't and he's mm-hmm. like i get it i get it you can't do the 30 days well i promise i won't eat oreos the whole time mm-hmm. and you realize that well even we even get it when the the population sign changes yeah. from 542 to like 152 yeah like the majority of the town leaves for this month and yeah. a bare bones crew stick around to make sure that the town doesn't get buried or destroyed yeah. by the elements. Um, but did you notice that the score has, they, they put like this cool, I only heard it twice, but I loved it. There's this scratch, it's this scratchy, glitchy, it sounds like a tape deck spinning down on sound effects. I know that doesn't make sense because it's like a totally audio thing, but there's like a sound effect that's going on in the jail. And it's like, you know, it's like one of those um, uh, Hans Zimmer like is happening, you know, where it's like punctuating something scary. It's like a drone like mm-hmm. you love making sound effects. I do. At the end of that sound effect, this is and this is atten- this is minute attention to detail that I love in this movie. Like, for example, the axe hitting flesh and then hitting the metal behind the guy mm-hmm. like. Not every movie does that, you know, and I, I pick up on that shit. And one of the things I love is at the end of this like sound effect that we get there, it's you hear static break into the sound effect and then it's it speed ramps down. It's like someone turned off a tape deck while it was playing, you know, like, and I love it's that sound mm-hmm. at the end of just a sound effect. So it's like, and it it like fucks up and yeah, glitches no. out. Oh, Didn't it's, that. I know. I'm pointing it out mostly for the listener, but I it's just little stuff like that. You could have just put like the, you know, strings are like here come the vampires, but they were like, let's do something. Let's go deeper. Everyone on this movie was like, I, yeah, it's we're definitely more modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not just that. It's like everyone had a job. Like Ben Foster had to play a weird Renfield stranger, and Weta had to make vampires look pretty scary. Everyone looked and they were like, yeah, but how can we do more? You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's like that thing that we talk about on the show sometimes where everyone knows that they're making everyone's making you're like, 
you could have just gone, oh, we're making a vampire movie. It's a Hollywood vampire movie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and everyone could have phoned this in. It's yeah. a comic book vampire movie in 2007 before comic book movies were super, super, super popular. Mm-hmm. You know, there's exceptions, but it wasn't anything like The Avengers. Everyone could have, like, just... It's a paycheck. and Yeah. But they, they, everyone went further than they needed to. And you ended up with like, this is a phenomenally good movie. It's great. So vampires have arrived. Let's talk about the vampires. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I, let's talk first about their, their, their actual like makeup, eyes, teeth, fingernails, mm-hmm. the actual physical elements the, like, of The like creature vampire. design. Yes. Mm-hmm. The creature design. They have white sclera, but they have black pupils and irises. It's v- and they're like a little bit bigger. Than the black, normal. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like um, those oversized Japanese um, contacts. <laughs> but it's <laughs> they are they are truly the eyes. They they got the the look of the eye just right so that they all look utterly, sharky. They look sharky but soulless. Specifically, mm-hmm. they look and black eyes, McDonald's <laughs> eyes. It's they do though, like they it's that shark, that sharky, soulless, night black eye. And then they're not shiny either. No, not mm-hmm. a, they, they don't even seem to reflect light. It's like these burning holes in their eyes. It's amazing. And Marlo, at least, we don't really see all of the vampires' hands, they seem to all have this, but claws yes rather yeah. than fing- like their fingernails are like these thick They're like long very pointed. long usable as weapons we see mm-hmm. like we see marlo cut people up bad with his his yeah. claws many times his and all of their teeth it's like they have too many teeth in their mouth oh, sometimes yeah. when he's talking which the vampire language that he's the language that he speaks incredible they it's made like, it for this movie uh, yeah i remember that <gasps> too it's like and I'd love to know what he, languages it was based on. That would be amazing. There's like lots of glottal stops in the back, so like it's very Klingon. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's really. I feel like Klingon has a like if I'm talking about uh, made up languages, right? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because all three of the languages we're about to be talking about are all fully rendered languages that you can learn in. Except for I don't know if you can learn this vampire tongue anywhere else because it was made for this movie, but Klingon and the language of the orcs and Urukai mm-hmm. from Lord of the Rings, and which Weta was involved in, uh, all of those are like fully rendered languages, and they're all based on like Slavic and Germanic languages. I feel like this there was sort of something sort of like Polynesian about it though too. It seemed very like weirdly lilting. Do you know what it seems? It reminds me of like the type of. It reminds me of like a haunting archaic language from an H.P. Lovecraft story, like something that the huh. ancients spoke. Like that's what the vampire language kind of sounds like a little bit. Actually, in uh, the special features, you can watch the stunt coordinator working with all of the vampire extras on like, okay, so you should move like this. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not like. Here are the animals that we're inspired by. Mm-hmm. Here's your. Here's like. You've been alive for this long, so what you're this is why you're moving this way. And they taught them all how to all of those vampire screams mm-hmm. taught them that. It's all in it's all the inward scream. Oh. Can you do it? No. You can't? Okay. No. But yeah, they they all did their own vampire screams and then looped them That's later cool. on. But yeah. The you can in the extras you can hear them all doing it on set. 
from like a like a handheld camera mic sounds horrifying because <laughs> it's not like movie audio it's just a huge group of people all like screaming you know all at once it's really scary so um i like um the sort of feline yes. look to them the the like more slanted sort of shape to the eyes and the really high cheekbones they, that kind of angle yeah, off and they, up. They use makeup to change bone structure. These are not just yeah. humans. These are like, the, they have changed in a very fundamental way. You know what I mean? I wondered if the ones that looked more feline yeah. were older. And the ones who look more human Part are... Part of like an ancient, right? Well, we know that Marlowe has been around for, quote, centuries at least. Mm-hmm. You know? Um... I really thought that the ch- his haircut is amazing mm-hmm. because it's <laughs> contemporary enough. You know, he doesn't have... Well, men's cuts don't change a whole lot. Well, in vampire movies, they do. He doesn't have like the... He like, doesn't have like a Lestat, he doesn't have two, like long... Right. He doesn't have the long braid. He doesn't have like... Fop- he, they're not all dressed like foppish 14th yes. century vampires. He doesn't have giant tits on his head like Gary Oldman and <laughs> Dracula. Um it, it's it's a very it's an extremely severe high fade. His head is yeah. like shaved yeah. almost to the skin, several fingers above his ears, and then it's fairly short on top. I love the bit near the end when he's slumped feeding over a corpse, and he gets he rubs blood onto his hands to slick his hair back. He's slicking, as you do, dude. He slicks his hair back with blood. Name another vampire that's that fucking baller. Okay, look. That's like rubbing mashed potatoes in your hair, though. Like, <laughs> no. It, there's something like, like truly depraved about these vampires. So, the, and then, you know, okay. This let's let's just let's jump into it because they're all phenomenally dressed. Like, yeah, Marlo's weirdly Marlo's uh, like overcoat over a like a simple white shirt, black you know black pants black he they look so put together at the beginning and then watching after 30 days they're all normal our our survivors are growing beards and they're getting very Mm -hmm. haggard the vampires haven't changed but the human accoutrements they wear as camouflage or as masks are just falling off their bodies and they're soaked in blood and i love how indifferent the vampires are to that yeah like they're not they don't give a shit about these clothes. These clothes were just to keep people calm for a second while they murdered them. These are just totally this is protective coloration and they're yeah. just letting it fall off of them. I love their disregard for their wardrobe. I think it's amazing. Let's talk about these vampires in I think what we just watched two vampire movies, so we were talking about I really like that we were having this discussion about I like a scary vampire. Mm-hmm. I don't like a what is that? I don't. What's that bug I couldn't find earlier? Oh well, is it a stingy one? No. I like a. I don't like a sexy vampire. I don't (laughs) like a. Okay, I I like a funny vampire in What We Do in the Shadows. Mm. That movie is gold. But like, (laughs) I don't like a Twilight vampire. I don't want him to sparkle. And another thing I really dislike in vampire movies is a mopey vampire who gets existential about his eternal life. (gasps) I hate that. Where it's like. I've lived a dozen lifetimes and oh, I am so weary. I'm like, you're not scary. You're depressed. Like if I, I'll just read you. Go away. Yeah, like I'll read you a Plath poem or a book by Schopenhauer and you'll just off yourself and done. You know, you don't even need a vampire hunter. Just be like, 
hey, isn't it a bummer that tomorrow's going to be just another day in an endless sea of days for you? And you'll be like, open the curtains, you know? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Why do I care about, like, a sad, depressed vampire, you know? It's like, here's your vampire Zoloft, and I'm just going to leave because I don't think you've got the energy to get out of your casket today. I'm just going to be a bit of a lazy. Some days you don't. Yeah. It's okay. Just a lazy Larry. I might sleep through this decade. Oh, you know, like, like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the point of a vampire. I, the best vampires other than this, other than this one, Nosferatu. Max Shrek's Nosferatu. He doesn't even look human. He's got those fucking weird ears, pointy chin, high cheekbones, needle mm-hmm. teeth, 12 inch long fingers. I love that on vampires. I love when the fingers are too long. Not maybe like maybe that's kind of what they were thinking with the nails. With the nails, yeah, maybe. But like these are these. I'm thinking right now: Dracula, Van Helsing, Interview with a Vampire, Twilight, uh, Nosferatu, Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I'm running through all the vampire movies I can think of. These are my favorite vampires. These are how vampires should be. These vampires are terrifying. They are scary, yeah. Part of what makes them terrifying is I'm just watching the bug climb around on artwork and stuff. Cool. Part of what makes these vampires so terrifying to me is has to do with the lines that they give Marlowe. Mm-hmm. These vampires are so old and have been around for so long and think so little of human beings and the things that human beings... Okay, so can I, I'll just say some of Marlowe's lines, and you'll get what I'm. Their nihilism is amazing. Like, there's this great fucking bit where uh, uh, they Renfield has been shot, and he's been like chained to the bars of his jail cell, and he's telling uh, the killings have already started, and uh, and Eben Josh Hartnett's character, he's, he's the chief of police in Alaska. He rolls into the jail cell. Chief of police in Alaska? Chief of police in Barrow. I'm sorry. I was just vamping and watching you deal with that bug. So most of what I just said, I don't even remember. Bug hunter. Yeah. Um, But Renfield's like, they're going to take me with them. They'll take care of me because I've done so much for them. Right? They'll turn me? Yeah, that's the idea. He's like, I've given them years of my life in service. I set this all up. I killed the dogs. I burned the phones. Like... I sabotaged because that he did because that all happened during daylight. He came to town and sabotaged the whole town for them to set them up for a 30 day buffet of humans. And he's like, I'm going to get rewarded. No, I'm sorry. He said, uh, they, <sighs> they will take care of me. <laughs> Maybe he's from um, Louisiana. Could be like mm-hmm. Louisiana by way of Maine. I love it. Um but he's basically he the same thing all Renfields say. Like, my vampire master will turn me. They make fun right. of it hilariously in what we do in the shadows. Right. Because the vampire never does. In any Right, like why would ever. you? Yeah. What's the point? Just get use... rid of your free work? Like And that is something that these vampires acknowledge openly. Mm-hmm. They uh They're like the these motherfreckles will believe anything. <laughs> These motherfreckles? Fuckers. I like motherfreckles. Motherfreckles. So Eben and Stella show back up at the... They've they've gone out running around trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. There's reports of gunfire. There's cars burning. Like, Eben tells everyone, he's like, hey, I, this is the sheriff. G- get back inside. It's after he finds that one dude's head on the stick. Mm-hmm. They come back to the uh, sheriff's office, and there's clearly been someone was killed here. There's blood. Grandma. Grandma dies, yeah. You, I, 
it's, she wouldn't have made it very long anyway. And it's lucky for that actress. She's because, also cancer ridden. Right. She's on <laughs> riddled, she, ridden, Rid- riddled with cancer or cancer ridden. Yeah. So, uh, she, English and the accent. <laughs> but um, they go in and talk to the stranger, and he's. They left him. He's yeah, he's devastated. He goes, they they didn't take me with them, mm-hmm. and he's crying like a child. He asks Eben to kill him. He's like, finish me off, because he's like, what the fuck is the point? I j- I gave them a decade and they left me here. And then later in the movie, about halfway, uh, like halfway through the movie, yeah. Marlowe comes back into the jail cell and he's got, uh, I can't remember the, the, her, uh, Megan Frannick's vampire, the sexy consort of Marlowe. Mm, yeah. They come back in and Marlowe sits down and this is where we see his nails where he's like caressing Ben Foster's mm, face with mm-hmm. his like fucked up nails. And he's like. He says, and you get the sense that he like that um, that the stranger can understand vampire language because the vampire well, he's says been with him for so long, yeah, yeah. Well, the vampire says like you've served us well, but it's like mm-hmm. and it's like you've served us well. We'll take care of you. And Ben Foster breaks down sobbing, and he like leans in, and there's something. I want to so Danny Hust or uh, uh, Marlo like holds him to his chest, right? Like a like a father cradling a sobbing child, mm-hmm. but very awkwardly. Like when Ben Foster, when when the stranger like puts his head in. God, I wish there was a video component because I could just ape it for everybody. But he like like lifts his arm quickly as though he's going to defend himself, and then it turns into like a I will hold you type thing. There's mm-hmm. a there's a certain like abstracted tilt. To Danny Huston's head It's like He doesn't behave Like, like he's a human. forgotten yeah. What being a human is like Yeah Right He's got this like Like kind of Like weird Cat like I don't know how to explain it mm-hmm. You know what I mean It's like serpentine It is kind of Or maybe bird like Kind like of Like twitching Yeah and looking Kind he, of bird like He moves His head does move on his On his neck quite a bit You know It's not that like Bullshit like Slipknot music video, like I'm gonna look creepy by turning my head. This is another kind of thing. This it's like watching, it's like watching a previously undiscovered super predator yeah. walking through its stalking grounds. That's how he moves, and it's incredible. I I think that look, I love Josh Hartnett. I love him, and I love Ben Foster. Danny Huston's the best performance yeah, yeah. in this movie by far. Right? Mm-hmm. He's in. He's incredible in this flick. He's cradling the stranger to his chest. Stranger sobbing, and the and Marlo looks up at the the lady vampire, and he because he's just said like we're gonna turn you, we're you're gonna be far part of our no, family. No, no, no. He said we'll take care of you. He, he says they will turn. Well, he you. says yeah. He says he says like we'll you've done so much for us. We'll take care of you. And but but that's what he's implying. And he's like cradling. Then Ben Foster thinks that he's about to become a vampire, and Marlo turns to the woman and he go or the female vampire and he goes the things they believe. It's amazing. And then kills him. Kills him brutally too. It's really gory. Cuts his he cuts his throat with his nails, right? Just like rips his throat out. He doesn't bite him. Maybe. Oh, he breaks his neck. Yeah, he just because he's hugging mm-hmm. him and he just like breaks his neck like a like you'd kill a kill a squirrel. I was gonna say cat, but you don't kill cats. Cats mm-hmm. are our friends. <laughs> but yeah, the things they believe. And then oh my oh, he catches one of the later on. The as the group is trying to flee, 
Marlowe. No, it's the woman that they use for bait. All of our survivors have holed up in, in the attic. In an attic, yeah. And there, there's a woman who's like walking down the street, and she's like, "Help! Right, somebody help me!" She's in like she's way she's underdressed, in like a sweater. Yeah. yeah, she's like she's hypothermic, and she's clearly been like beaten or toyed with, and yeah. just kind of bloody. bloody. Yeah, and she's sobbing and stumbling and begging for help. So Stella, who's up in the attic, is like, "Oh my God, we got to get out there!" Mm-hmm. And Eben stops her. Right. And he goes, look at the look at the rooftops behind her. And you see that the vampires are tracking. They used her. Th- this is a Viet Cong tactic. So they're they're using like Vietnam era VC tactics to try and draw the survivors out so they can't go help her. So she walks the whole length of the town. There is no help. There's no one. No one comes out to to her aid. And at the end of the road, Marlo and the other vampires are waiting. And they start to they slash at her. Well, before they start slashing, Marlo like approaches her, and she's like, "Please, they, I tried. There's nobody here." And she's like broken. She's mm-hmm. just she knows she's dead. Yeah. And she like she hits her knees and she goes, "No God, please." Mm, yes, the no God line. Oh my! It's amazing though because the first time he says it, he says it in his language. He goes mm-hmm. like, "God," and it the subtitle says "God." And, then and he, like, looks skyward. Yes, he goes quiet, and he's, like, he. it's so cruel because he, he's crouched by her, and he, like, turns his head and looks up at the sky, and then he swings his head the other way and looks up at the other sky and the other, you know, the same, the mm-hmm. sky in the other direction, and he sweeps the heavens, and then he looks at her in, in English through, like, this mouthful of Ooh, prosthetics. Yeah. But it's amazing because that's probably how he... How it'd sound if you were tr- you just knew like a couple English words and had didn't use English very often, so he just goes, "No God," and just shakes his head no, and then stands up, and the other vampires come over and they torture her to death essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of like brutal nihilism is amazing, um, because it makes these vampires scary as fuck. This you get the sense that if someone held a crucifix up to these vampires, they would just cut your hand off. You know, like or they just laugh at you. Yeah, like, like oh God, Jesus! And what he does, he takes the time to like look around and see if God is watching, and he's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I guess not. The things they believe is another phenomenal line. Just his his whole character is incredible. I love the tableaus in this movie. This is one of them when they're like slashing yeah. the women. Yeah. There's many shots. One of the other ones is later on when um, uh, the the guy whose leg got broken, when he gets tangled up in the uh, swing yeah. set and even cuts his head off with the axe. Uh-huh. The way that these shots are framed, they look like comic book panels. Mm-hmm. We've talked mm-hmm. about this. We talked about this fairly recently with another movie. I can't remember which one. Uh, but I don't know. I don't remember either. It was one of them. But <laughs> one of the movies we watched. <laughs> But like the the way that it's sh- it's shot wide, yeah, with like attention to the full breadth of the landscape, but with not much depth, which I like. In yeah, the, it's pretty flat because there's like um, buildings in the background. Close, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're never sh- in the early parts. We're shooting over tundras and crap, but once we mm-hmm. get into town, the tundras and crap is beautiful. <laughs> oh like, yeah, that one shot out over the 
water or whatever. Oh, and they're yeah, like yeah. joking about, oh, I brought Stella here on our first date or Yeah, whatever. we all did. But like, um, but yeah, once we're in town, all the tableaus they set up are fairly shallow, which is what comic book panels look like because comic book artists notoriously hate drawing detailed backgrounds because it's a pain in the dick. So this ends up looking, especially with the really extreme way that it's graded with like the very dark blacks Mm -hmm. and when the snow falls there's so much light they're blowing so much light onto the snow that the snow is like this vivid white everything in the background is black it's it's very stark and stylized and it looks like a comic i love it which brings me to the storm the cg storm Mm -hmm. you don't like this Mm -hmm. i do Mm -mm. okay you think it looks like bad cg yeah i think it looks like a uh like a it looks like Zach, a scene shot by Zack Snyder circa 300. It looks like that kind of stylized to me. Like the rain in 300 mm-hmm. looks stylized. I thought that the snowstorm looked kind of stylized. Um, let's... It's not the most egregious um, mm. CG. Oh, yeah. There's another... I'm, we jumped over another Danny Huston line earlier when they, when they kill that first... They kill that first guy and he goes... He's looking around for a way out, and he just uh, Danny Huston just says there is no escape, only hunger and pain, Jeez. and then they kill him. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the first? We talked about this while we were while we were watching the movie. What did you think of that first vampire assault on Barrow, where we're doing like we're we're flying over the city and we're shooting straight down and we're seeing the whole street burning car several fights happening at once and then we'll Mm -hmm. jump down Mm -hmm. to street level and see a vampire like you know throw someone through the air or throw them through a window or rip their arm off it definitely had that like chaotic feeling that it would have in the moment if you were there yeah i i liked the choice very dynamic yeah very much so and i think part of the dynamism is switching between that all seeing you know eagle's eye the no god eye, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we're bird's eye. So you can see the whole fight and it, the view itself is calm. You can see all the action, but then they drop you in the action. So the, the quick cuts that happen on the ground mm-hmm. are more dynamic for the stillness of the bird's eye that they keep r- relaxing us into. Mm-hmm. It's awesome because it helps them keep the, the like, tension. contrast. Yeah. Sure. They create ten- – and there's so many stunts happening at the same fucking time. Dude. The stunts – the stunts in this movie the choreography amazing it's half dance half like ufc fight like most of the fight scenes play out that way it's in the choreography and the stunts are amazing you want to talk about an awesome stunt how about the vampires flipping even's suv (gasps) oh yeah dude it's amazing i thought you were going to talk about that um the kick thing at the end i want to wait until we get to the end to talk about that but um I think you and I were both like, oh, whoa, when they were flipping the, they're flipping the big, his, I feel like they just did it for real. Car. I think they, I mean, I'm sure they did it safely. I know, with like I know, but I think they stuff. just flipped just a car. Did it, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, with some stunt people inside. I love that we, cause you, you've, we've seen cars flip in a million movies, but mm-hmm. you don't often see something flip nose slow motion with it yeah because the the a bunch of vampires lift the back end of the car up or the back end of this it's like a like an explorer yeah it's big so they lift the back end up so that the tires aren't on the ground and then they just slowly raise the back end up and up and up and up and up until it's on its nose and then they just boop Mm -hmm. push it over onto its roof and they do it in slow motion while vampires are 
trying to smash their way through the passenger and driver's sides. Eben's firing. Stella's screaming. It's just like, it's such an intense. And the other thing is, they're in the middle of the street. It's just Eben and Stella. They don't even know these are vampires yet. Right. They're like, what is with these humans? With these people are fucked up and weird. And they're they on PCP. Talk about tension slash jump scenes, which is one of our categories that we <laughs> rate movies on. But like, you, you're you like 20 minutes into the movie and you know that these two people aren't going to die because it's Josh Hartnett and, right, you know, it's right. Josh it's Hartnett your, and Melissa George. It's our two primary main, principles. Yeah. But you still think they're fucking going to die. Because there's 30 vampires around them and you have, n- there's there's no apparent way out. You're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is his- And Papa Bear shows up. Yeah, Papa Bear mm-hmm. shows up with his snowplow and just mows motherfuckers, I'm sorry, mother freckles down. Mother freckles. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I love him and his big like killdozer things. Oh yeah. First the plow and then later the chainsaw backhoe or whatever oh, the right, hell. Right, yeah. <laughs> what is that It's thing? a chainsaw backhoe. I don't so know. That, I'm assuming it's for for logging, but I don't know why he would logging? have that. Maybe it's to. I don't know. It looks know. it looks like a front end loader. But he was saying he had to get it back to the to the airport. I, yeah, I wonder if it's to cut through hard packed snow. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know either. But is listen, it even a real thing? I think it is. <laughs> Listener, if you know what this vehicle is, it's like a front end loader, but instead of a bucket, it has like a gigantic, like 12 foot chainsaw thing. thing on the front of it. Yeah. And you better believe we get to see a vampire get his shit cut. Oh, dude, it's vertical. so good. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, God. You know, and like, I love that shit in horror films. Oh, yeah. When they're like saws and blood flying everywhere. Or the like chainsaw fight in Mandy. Yes. Come on. Anytime I see a chainsaw pop up in a anything close to a horror movie, I'm just like, Mandy did it better. I try. No, I'm just happy to see him uh, there. I tried to force one into Marlin because I'm like, all horror movies should have a chainsaw at least somewhere in them, and everyone was like, no, it does not fit, and I'm like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. I need my chainsaw in my scary movie. Uh, um, damn. I lo- I loved that. That vampire car flip over. I thought that was a meowing. Um You know, I was actually thinking about that stunt um, either earlier today or yesterday. The car flip? It, yeah. Yeah. So they always have the main actors in there during a scene like this where something happens to a car and it gets crushed in or whatever. Right, yeah. How do they fucking get them in there how do to you begin with? Like, how do you get your actors into a crushed truck so that you can shoot them crawling out of the truck. Do you, okay. How, I just here's I need how. to know because they also like are seat belted in here's, and like stuff like that. I need how to know. You do this. So, most vehicles that you see in a movie are not the only of that vehicle on set. So, like Eben's SUV. Mm-hmm. That wasn't one SUV that they drove around until they were ready to smash it, and then they flipped it and smashed it. Unless you're an indie film. Unless you're an indie film, which this one is maybe actually could be, but I don't think no, so. no, no. So they had Eben's SUV. The I think it's called they call it like the Star Car, which is the one that you drive around and keep in really good shape because mm-hmm. you need it for all the driving sequences. You usually have a stunt car. 
Now, on big, big, big budget ones, they'll have like the star vehicle that does. They drive. They'll drive it fast, but they won't do any stunt stuff with it. They don't even drift it because it's you don't want to damage the vehicle. Then they have the stunt car, which is identical but has beefed up shocks and suspension mm-hmm. and brakes and is designed to do like stunt driving. Because if we took our Subaru and drove around like you see people drive around in movies, we would just snap the suspension like promptly. You know what I mean? Then they have uh, for interior shots of cars. They have the same car, but no doors. No, all the side panels are taken off, and they mount a big camera on. So when you see a driver driving in a movie, mm-hmm. to his left there is no door, hmm. and usually there's no like the like the the crossbar that holds the windshield up. All that shit has been cut away, and they've built a giant mount, and there's a camera guy sitting on it next to him as That'd he's be driving. So- annoying yeah yeah so like that's how you shoot interiors okay but like how do you crawl into a crushed car only the front half of the car exists what the yeah but you have to still get in there somehow right and upside down right but if they're imagine that there's no back seat okay okay so the the car is the car's not that crushed think about it it's upside down the roof is a little bit crushed in right so their heads are kind of tilted or whatever Mm mm-hmm but the back is wide open. So what you do is you crawl in there. <laughs> and then uh, you you like you get into position. Usually they'll have a roll around. They have sometimes they'll have a, they'll have like large numbers of people to like help get the actors into position. They can hold their bodies up and then they buckle them in and things like that. Uh, but getting okay. in and out of the car, not a problem. They don't even go through the windows. Usually there's it's like a chunk of it can be a chunk of car they don't always do it that way sometimes it is actually a full car and they do go in through the windows but on big ones like this they'll just they only shoot to make it safer and easier sometimes they just get rid of chunks of the car that aren't going to be on screen to make the whole thing smaller more manageable and more stable which is why like it's really expensive to do stuff like car crashes in your movies there's a there was a stunt done in a movie called collateral Directed by Michael Mann, starring uh, Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. It's the one where the hitman drives around with a cab driver all night. I think I've seen this, actually. I think I showed it to you one time. In the end of that movie, they crashed the cab. Mm-hmm. And they could only do it once because it was such a gnarly, insane stunt. This Basically, they had a stunt driver hit, you know the how they'll set up like a two-wheel? A little ramp. Yeah, to yeah. flip the car. Mm-hmm. They had him hit that ramp there and they had cam they had coverage set up because mm-hmm. he was basically going to flip the car down a New York City street and he was supposed to flip it f- like it was going to be like 20 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, he ended up actually he hit the ramp so fucking fast. He went all the way for it, basically, um, within like the correct parameters. You know, they calculate the speed and stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the stuntman kind of gave her a little bit. And they ended up flipping the car like a hundred something yards down the street. It's one of the most incredible crashes ever. <laughs> uh, the world record for car crash is I might still be Casino Royale. The sequence as, where as he, in most crashed cars. No, uh, it was the most. I think it's the most. It's either the most uh, number of flips in uh-huh. a single wreck or it's the furthest distance of a of a wreck from the time of the crash to the time the car comes to an end it's the aston martin db9 when james bond is chasing la because they've kidnapped uh, uh vesper and they're racing around on those back roads and then she's in the middle of the street and she like clenches up and he fucking just cranks the wheel and that car just like it 
it flips multiple times in the air before it touches the ground the first time. That's how fucking hardcore that crash is. Did they even have a stunt driver in there? Yeah. Or did they have a... What? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, can I, can I nerd out real quick about the vampires again? Weren't you just? Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep <laughs> doing it. I love the attention to detail in the performance uh, I'm, specifically, I'm thinking. Remember when Eben goes into the place and he's got the sun lamp from the grow operation, yeah. and he basically is aiming it at the door like a light shotgun. Yeah. Um, the female they the vampires crowd around the house because they're like, he went in there, right? We're, we've got him. We've mm-hmm. totally got him. Let's all, you know, beers after this. We got him. <laughs> but the the beers? Bloods? Yeah, maybe. So Megan Frannick's vampire. The like we're gonna I'm gonna call her Queen of the Damned for a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't like see, I was gonna say like, well, I really like Aaliyah and Queen of the Damned, but that's all sexy, sad vampires. Mm. You know? <laughs> Queen of the Damned is a guilty pleasure for me. Um so she walks up the, she like goes for the door. Mm-hmm. She's like, motherfuck this, I'm gonna go and but she pauses. She stops and she's like, oh. And she turns around and looks at Marlo. Right, because he's the like alpha. He's the alpha, yeah. totally right. Um, but she, it's but it's more than that. She she looks, she like dips her head, right, like in deference. And it's the only time in the movie that I see any of the vampires do this. She's like ready to feed, and when she like turns around to look at Marlo, she hides her teeth. Oh, like apes. Yeah. Interesting. It's amazing like small really Mm -hmm. small details like this and when his i can't remember exactly what it is but it's in my note when he to give her a scent he does a sound and turns his head like up and to the side it's not like a nod Mm -hmm. it's a very they have their own physicalities Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. mean go like for example in some parts of the world raising your eyebrows at somebody indicates sexual interest rather than surprise you know what i mean like huh yeah so like this like the surprise (laughs) face in in certain cultures indicates i want to fuck you (laughs) i know but i'm just saying like the vampires have their own culture down to minute physicality Mm -hmm. this is very well thought out and that reads on the screen it looks like a real culture you you believe the vampires because all of these actors believe it you know right they oh and i feel like they really um they're very cohesive they have a good um like family structure figured out yeah where they feel that maybe on and off screen yeah totally. like maybe they just did all meals together or something like that it feels very humans and vampires eating separately it's different different craft services yeah. you know <laughs> blood only oh like it, it'd be like human centipede where it'd be like a bunch of like delicious <laughs> fake blood yeah it's like well this is actually a raspberry compote <laughs> <laughs> and crackers <laughs> holy wafers <laughs> but um I love uh, I love Papa. Our uh, listeners are all gonna be deaf. No, well, they should watch this movie. They'll be deaf as shit. Um, so Papa Bear try to save Eben at that one point when he goes. Out. I, I love that line. I can kill anything. I can kill these. <laughs> but he he goes out and gets in the chainsaw mobile, mm-hmm. and he is basically going to try to draw all of the vampires away from Eben so Eben can get back to the rest of the survivors. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of knows that this is it. 
You know what I mean? I, I get the sense that when Pop- oh yes, yeah, by the yeah, way, yeah, Papa Bear is Bird's name for this character. Yeah, I can't remember what his real name his is, name. but it's the uh, it's He's the, the Mark- one who looks like a bear, Mark Boone Jr. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, dirty dirty cop from Batman. So he gets in the chainsaw mobile and he's shooting the shotgun out the window and he's chainsawing fucking vampires in half, they- taking ass, taking names. I love. This is something I really like about this movie. You think that they're going to let him go out on like his terms as a mm-hmm. hero on a high mm-hmm. note, you know? Like that's how that scene is set up. He's kicking ass, he's taking names. He's he like has killed several people. He even vampires. has like a cool like witty phrase that he says. Welcome to the top of the world. <laughs> is that what he Yeah. Says? <laughs> he goes uh he's he's driving towards I think it's like the bar. Right? Yeah, something like he's that. Like, yeah. He's like careening towards the bar because he's, he's planning to crash into the bar because he's got dynamite, I think, in the vehicle, right? Oh, why did I think they were like flares? Well, he does, He has dynamite and he mm. lights them with flares. Gotcha. So he uh, he goes, he he's like careening through vampires, chopping them with his chainsaw, shooting out the windows, and he goes, Welcome to Barrow. Welcome to the top of the world. And then it's actually a pretty cool stunt. They crash this big fucking chainsaw vehicle into a into building. Into a building, yeah. And he goes, oh my God, it's all, it's awesome. It's just awesome. It's great, yeah. And he stumbles out and he gets his flares over his box of dynamite. Well, he has the shotgun and the shotgun doesn't, doesn't work empty, or something. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because he, he gets it I up. I didn't know if it was like jammed. It goes like, yeah, I mean, maybe. It could be. He hit, he he's crashed. Mad about it. He yeah. crashed pretty hard. So he's like, oh shit. I think he's just out of bullets or out of shells. I'm sorry, gun nerds. Um, but he he pulls out the flares and the vampires have like started coming in. They're like jumping in and seeing mm-hmm. if things are okay and then jumping back out. But they're like, ah, he doesn't have any weapons anymore. So they start to like come into the bar and he pops a flare and he goes, you ain't going to eat me. And he dumps him into the dynamite and it blows the fucking building up. It's a great explosion. Oh, yeah. It looks so good. And you're like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. This is that same kind of freckle, mother freckle. This is that same kind of part of the movie in which exists God, no God, or like the things they believe. That weird, like the movie will not f- let you have these small human things. Right. Like, look at him. He went out a hero. Good for you. Like, it's you're that, not allowed to have wins. This is yeah. This is something I really like in movies. Self sacrifice. We talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of problematic occasionally for me, where I'm like. I like the idea of someone sacrificing themselves for the good of a of a larger group. I love 300. I tear up every fucking time I watch 300, you know? Like somebody who knows that they're going to die but doesn't 47 Ronin. Yeah, 47 Ronin. Um The Dark Knight Strikes Again. It, Frank Miller. I know a lot of people don't like that comic, but there's a great moment in there where Shazam basically commits suicide so he can go out on his own terms rather than be crushed by a building, and it's just beautiful. Wonder Woman helps him through it. He's like, I'm I'm scared. And she's like, mm-hmm. no, go out like a warrior. I like that type of shit. And this movie, you're like, yeah, okay, good. He went out on his own terms and he took some of them with him. And then he falls through the window because the explosion mm-hmm. didn't kill him. Yeah. Just wounded him. Bad. Oh, God. And he's crawling. And who? Of course, it's Marlo. Of course, Marlo. it's Marlo. Marlo walks because he's over the alpha. Him. Yeah, Marlo walks over to him. And it's... The movie doesn't, they don't feed on him because that would be like, oh, he, he died. The, he was killed by the vampires. It's not even that he's crushed like a bug, like a bug. Yeah. And Mark, you know, talking about, you know, talk about best lines in the fucking movie. Marlo says when man meets a force, he can't destroy. He destroys himself instead. What a plague you are. 
and then crushes his head with his boot. Mm-hmm. It is amazing, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about the prosthetic already, or that um the head the dummy. I don't already, think we yeah. did, but the dummy head looks oh so good. So good. Uh, I'm gonna say dummy head on par with the um, fire extinguisher crushed head in Gaspar Noe's Irreversible. It is like that level of good. If you haven't seen I that movie, no point of reference. Don't that. watch it, and listeners okay. also avoid that film. Carl knows what I'm talking about. Irreversible is <laughs> a really good movie, but it's uh, it's pretty high up there on the 50 most disturbing films of all time lists. It's like usually top 10. It has a Guinness Book of World Records for the longest rape scene in any film ever. Hooray! One uncut shot over 12 minutes long. It's really bad. Um, but there's a great head squish in the end. They use it, It's an uncut shot of a dude taking a fire extinguisher. You watch him push the guy. To, the guy falls to the floor. He grabs a fire extinguisher and... All in one shot. There's a hidden edit point, but you cannot see it. It comes down and flattens this dude's head into the floor. It looks pretty good. You would appreciate that as a... Uh, I'm sure I'd love it. As a sick fuck. <laughs> as a sick fuck? You totally are. Wear it with pride, girl. Um, all right. So what do you think the the there this is basically a point where the survivors and the vampires go into like cat and mouse mode what do you think of what do you think of carter's drunk driving story when when we find out that carter has been bitten and has slowly been turning oh um i didn't understand why it was uh, <sighs> It, the intro to that story is just very weird, and I couldn't figure out why we were coming in there. Do you remember the beginning, when Eben, when Eben first goes in and they find that the helicopter pilot's shit has all been thrown into the grinder? Mm-hmm. When they first go in, Eben is talking to Carter, and he's like, he, Carter has all those pictures of his family on the board, and he goes, he's uh... but Eben's never met them, so he goes, hey, one one day your wife your wife ought to like bring you up a sweater. And he goes, yeah, well, they'll, they'll come up one day. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So he's been like telling everyone in town that they, like many of the people in this town, uh-huh. they just don't live around here because Barrow's pretty rough. Sure. But, his but family, they're dead. They're dead. They died in a drunk driving accident. <sighs> yeah. So that that's actually like a resolution to an earlier gotcha. plot point. Um, man, I, I loved, I loved this bit it's so sad though it mm. really this is a really a hard moment because it's very much that your dad has to put down a dog sort of thing yeah Th- there's an there's like an extra bit of existential tragedy to it to it where carter goes i wanted to be with them so bad but i couldn't do it and he couldn't he couldn't kill pull himself the trigger, yeah and now he's been bitten and he's turning into a vampire. And his line isn't like, I can't hurt you guys or like, oh, you've got to take care of me so you can all live. He looks at Eben and he says, I can't live forever. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like that, he's like, I have been wanting, I've been waiting my whole life to die so I can be with my family. Ooh. And now I'm about to become immortal. Could you please kill me? It's gross. It is like, that's what I'm talking about with this movie, man. <laughs> Like there's this is like philosophical horror in a way, you know what I mean? Um, Sorry, I love you like a lot, but I wouldn't spend my whole life. Oh yeah, if like if I if I like go out in a in a blaze of Rona, you know, mm-hmm. and you get bitten by a vampire, 
take the deal, dude. Like, <laughs> get your shark teeth. Get your super awesome black, you know, Oh, duster. dude, yeah. Yeah, like, live your... Goth shit all day. Live your best infinity life, for sure. I just meant, like, I couldn't spend my whole human life... Mourning one person, or mourning your family. Just waiting to die. Mm. I just couldn't do that. I couldn't spend my life that way. Yeah, that would be... Well, yeah. That'd be no. I'm just I'm gazing into the distance. Okay, that's like more bugs. <laughs> Tens of them now. <laughs> Bird, fetch, get the bugs. <laughs> um, a lot of focus on family in this movie. Carter's lost his family. Billy shoots his family in the head. Oh my god! <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. It's really Whoa. fucked up. But like, and that's one of the things Josh it's such a, a human reaction though. You know, people would react that way to something like you this. see this in move in. Well, actually, uh, to, to take it to comic books, Walking Dead. This happens in the the first two volumes of Walking Dead a couple times. I think Rick finds. I mean, like real life. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. In uh, do you mean in in real life? Like real life, real life. Like people would do things like that people in do the do face this. of yes, yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, to spare like there, it's. You hear of this sort of thing, like, oh, to spare my children the horror of war, or like, oh, the... There's, Slowly tortured, or starving to a, death. There's or... a horrible real-life thing called the Rape of Nanking, and this happened a bunch before that happened. Essentially, I think the Japanese army came in and just took the whole city of Nanking to, like, the ground, and just... It was like a week of just whole, wholesale atrocity, basically, but there was a lot of billies before that happened because people kind of knew what was coming mm -hmm. you know um heart you know what the mm -hmm. uh, the in the scene with billy when the, you know god when when because we don't see the bodies under the sheet no we just we just see, see hartnett's reaction lumpies yeah lumpies with some red in the forehead right. you know what i mean like it's that raspberry compote from mm. <laughs> from uh the, the, under the blankets the eating crackers yeah they're like <laughs> Quiet on set. <coughs> I have to, I have to swallow this, Mister Slade. Okay, <laughs> got. <laughs> um, Josh Hartnett, because we just watched, uh, um, oh, sh the Black Dahlia with him in it. Oh yeah. And last season we watched Virgin Suicides with him in it. Josh Hartnett is a really good actor. He's in Virgin Suicides. Yeah, yeah, he plays the uh, the teenage heartthrob with all the weed. The long-haired guy who falls I in love. I only watched parts of that. Oh, that's okay. I guess he, I missed him. Yeah, Hartnett's really good in it. But like, uh, um, Penny, yep. Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Like, he's only gotten better looking. Yeah? You oh, think so? yeah. He's fine when he's young, but I'm he's with you. Fine. He, he was meant to be like a good, solid, like rugged 40. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, but here's what I'm saying. I think, mm. I think that Josh Hartnett's one of those actors who's attractive enough that people don't take him seriously yes like young matthew yes. mcconaughey right like everyone was like oh yeah matthew mcconaughey plays mm -hmm. like romantic mm -hmm. leads and heart Surfer throbs dudes. and then all of a sudden out of fucking nowhere true dallas. detective drops oh. or dallas, dallas buyers, buyers club? club drops and everyone's like Holy or Wolf of Wall Street. Shit, you've never seen it. God nope. damn it, Bird. We have to do Wolf of Wall Street. Oh no. He plays a stockbroker, like a uh, like a day trader guy, and he's genius. Apparently, the whole scene he did with Leonardo DiCaprio, he like improved so much of it that DiCaprio was like because he was expecting to work off the script because uh -huh. it's Scorsese. And apparently, like Matthew McConaughey just 
became someone else. And Leonardo DiCaprio in that scene is when you can even see him. He's just clinging on. Dude, he's like, <laughs> he's just trying. No, he and he nails it because it's uh-huh. Leo. But, you know, like you can see Leo. Him. You can see in the shots where he's like, he's he'll like laugh at shit because McConaughey is just going so far off the reservation. <laughs> but he follows him to his credit. That's that's how you know top tier actors. When one of them just goes totally batshit, the other one does not break. And you get gold that way, dude. Leo and, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. DiCaprio. <laughs> Your BFF, I've Leo. never smoked a J with him. I can't call him Leo. <laughs> Mr. DiCaprio in, um, in uh, uh, Django Unchained. When he slams his hand down on the table and cuts his hand super <gasps> fucking bad and stays in the moment and it becomes one of the most iconic moments and in that entire film. And he just like film. wipes his hand as he's delivering the rest of his... My favorite bit is when he picks the glass out, glass out and you can hear it hit the table as he's throwing chunks of glass that he's picked out of his hand onto like other people's plates and shit. And then he wraps it in a napkin while delivering his monologue. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But what I, my original point is, I think Josh Hartnett is an actor... Of that caliber. Yeah, I. this is definitely a thing that happens to attractive actors and actresses in Hollywood where they're just like, oh, you're just a pretty right, face. And they're like, seriously. but I can do shit. Emma Watson's a good example from, from actresses, you know, like yeah. definitely. Uh, I think Charlize Theron kind of started Dude. branching out because they were like, oh, she's so beautiful. Oh, she's so beautiful. So mm-hmm. she does Monster. She does Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. You know, like. Heart, I think Hartnett in this, this is a glimpse of, you know, I know we don't. He does great work in this film. He amazing work when he pulls the when he pulls the sheet back on Billy's family, it's not. <gasps> oh, forsooth, why? It's not that. He goes through a journey. You see yeah. it too. You see like, at, oh my god, the there are several moments in here where he breaks down. He like that one time he loses two people and he and Stella hug. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a moment. The first time that he realizes that his younger brother Jake is not dead, and there's like that reunion mm-hmm. up with Jake. He's a, he emotes beautifully. He's a really incredible actor, and I think I think for me the pinnacle Hartnett performances are in Penny Dreadful, and we don't do TV on this show, but I think you can see you can see the all of the groundwork. Him getting there, yeah. For mm-hmm. well, you. This is a very raw performance by necessity because it's a very... He's going through like a grinder of emotional highs and lows. But you can see the groundwork for that truly exceptional actor that he's going to become just a few years after this. He does do subtle work too. It's not 11. No, no, not at all. There's like a couple times where he goes to 11 and it's totally warranted Mm -hmm. and he pulls it off. And 11 is a very hard place to be for an actor. Like when he's transforming into the vampire... I totally buy mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, you know, oh my god, he he goes through like that. Cr- he's you can you can see veins and you, he's pouring sweat. Yeah, and then it's super gross. He like goes still, and there's like this moment of quiet, and we're we're over with the other people who are watching this horrible thing where he's injected himself with vampire blood and turned himself mm-hmm. so that he can fight <clears throat> the vampires and buy them enough time to get to sunrise. And there's that fucking awesome moment, and. Hearing his voice, he has really. He's here's another actor with really great vocal control. When he go, when he goes, I can smell your blood. Mm. Oh, it's such a good, such a good moment. Uh, let me see what else. There's like two more things. Eben's head kick that spins him around. Dude, yes, that's what I was talking about. (laughs) Holy shit! It's in the last vamp fight. 
Eben goes out. This choreography is just top stellar. Tier. It's top, amazing. Top tier yeah. all the way. It's this is it reminds me. Okay. So part of me was thinking when like okay. when my okay. So like when Marlo <laughs> when Marlo's on the ground on his back and he like flips over like a insect yes. or something. Immediately. Uh, all right. I thought that I thought that, that was a specific stunt man just because of the physicality. <gasps> wait, do you want to say it on three? Wait, I don't know what his name is though. Uh na- the okay. Famous character that I'm thinking of, you know, from which movie though? <laughs> God, um, the this one. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. So let's say <laughs> his let's say his famous character name on three to make sure that we're thinking of the same character. Okay, I thought that the stuntman was one, two, three. Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. It's Ray yeah. Parks. Is yes, his yes, name. yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you were like when you were like. I was like, Whoa, oh, Toad. She toad. said Toad, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why would you go Toad? He's Darth Maul. It's, I don't know. It's always the first thing that I think of. Yeah, he's good as Toad, but the I think the high, for me, like the 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 apex of court fight choreography is the lightsaber fight at fuck. the end of Star Wars Episode One. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what any of you think about that movie, and I know that that movie is Full of shit. You know what I mean? I'm fully aware. I, and I like that. I like that movie. I, I'm an apologist. Whatever else you think about that movie, that lightsaber fight is one of the most well choreographed things I've ever seen on film, period. It's I feel like it's we incredible. Seen his name. Ray Parks, yeah, 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 yeah. He would have gotten like top billing. By this point, he's definitely famous. So but yeah, dude. Like the the choreography is like that level though. You know what I mean? One of my favorite parts of this is the conflicting fighting styles. Eben fights like a boxer, mm-hmm. like a cop. Right, he, right. He's throwing hands. Right. But there's this great bit where he charges Marlo, and Marlo lets himself be drawn back. He lets himself be driven back. Mm-hmm. And then he jumps up onto the hood of a car and slams Eben's head down onto the hood. And you realize right. he's been alive for centuries. Yeah. He's a tactician. Yeah. Eben's a brawler, but this guy's like, oh, yeah, let let him... Let also, him, he's had this happen. How many times? Of times? Yeah. Well, but he, I like that in this instance, he's fighting a somebody who willingly turned himself into a vampire temporarily, knowing it would mean his death in order to fight. I think he's kind of amused and intrigued. Yeah. And like kind of playing with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the abrupt way that this. Well, first of all, let's talk about the specific head kick. Eben hits the what? ground. Marlo Cox's leg back, and this is a vampire, so he's like super powered. Mm-hmm. Kicks Eben in the face, and Eben three sixty. He spins a full three sixty, yeah. like away from us. It's a, it's a gorgeous effect. It's great. It's probably wire work, but it's invisible. It just looks like he got booted in the head and spun fully around and slid like ten feet. It's such a great. It's a perfect angle. It's just a fun, weird. It is. Stunt. Yeah, there's there's something about it that ca- is captivating. Yeah. We've seen we've seen wirework fights mm-hmm. before. We've seen vampire fights where like, oh, I'm flying across the, you know. Right, but this plays. It like, does. Like you believe that this could happen. Yeah, it it has a gritty realism to it. Like the slipperiness of snow and a superpowered vampire. I'm, yeah. I would have to watch it again to really be sure, but I'm positive that part of what sells it is the sound design because all the sound design that in this crunchy. is so mm. careful, you mm-hmm. know? It's great. It's, it's great. totally great. It's this beautiful bit of stunt work. It's beautifully shot and it resolves itself like 20 seconds later the fight's over. What did you think of that? 
Eben I punches. I was so caught unawares. I was like, wait, what? I forgot all what about the fuck? it. I knew that he I knew that he won because I remembered the last scene of the movie. I think it's like one of my favorite scenes ever, but he punches through Marlo's head and punches his brain out the back of his skull. And in no way is it goofy. You know, it's just like shocking and really gross. Yeah, you're just like, what the fuck just happened? Because Marlo comes at him with his mouth open and Eben's like kind of playing hurt. And he throws a right cross straight through his mouth out the back of his head. And you're like, I do not fully comprehend what I just saw, but mm-hmm. I think I want to throw up. Like, it's <laughs> it's so awesome. It's so good. Um, and Marlo hitting the ground and all of that blood come, and goo yeah. just coming out of his mouth. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. It's great. It's beautiful. And, you know, we're right now we're loving on Hartnett, but you got to remember, this is also, this is, this is Hartnett and Huston. Yeah, you gotta have somebody good. To, oh, yeah. damn, dude! It's it's such a great it's such a great fight. Um, so I want to take. We already thanked everybody up top, so we're basically almost out. I want to take one moment to talk in depth about the last scene of this movie. Okay. I think this is this is amazing to me. I love how it mirrors the scene at the beginning of the film with Billy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, so Stella survives. And she comes over and she's like, what did you do to yourself, Even You're a mm-hmm. vampire now. Yeah. And he's like, you know, she, the he, we can tell that the sun is starting to come up. Mm-hmm. And he tells her over the radio, there's a bit where they're separated and, and she's trapped and he's going to come to her. And he says, we're, gonna, we're all going to get through this. And we're gonna, you and I are going to watch the sunrise together. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, when they're reunited, he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. But they still go and watch the sunrise together because he's not going to live this way not gonna do that, and also yeah. he said that you can when you are first infected you can retain some of who you are but that doesn't last right eventually you just give in to the hunger and you become a vampire so he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to become a vampire he wanted to be a vampire long enough to win the fight and knew he was gonna commit suicide right i love how he does it though and this this is peak hartnet acting this is his best performance in the in this movie and it's a a top tier performance all the way through i love i love that even and stella stick together they sit there and this as the sun is rising and even when he starts to like ah, ah i can't look at it she doesn't oh god i can't watch this i can't mm-hmm. she just she holds him mm-hmm. knowing that he's gonna die yeah he also knowing that he's gonna die she it's that i know you didn't watch this movie either but leaving las vegas Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage is very clear at the beginning of that. He's like, you can never, ever tell me to stop drinking. I am here to drink myself to death. That is, if you want to be in a relationship with me, those are the terms. You've got about a week. Mm-hmm. And she accepts those terms. And it's heartbreaking, but it, in a weird way, it makes the movie so beautiful because she she accepts his suicide. Mm-hmm troubling very long episode listeners you can go check it out in a weird in an in a a more poignant more romantic less depressing way i find that here mm-hmm. where yeah. you know he he takes where she has steeled herself and she's also like comforting him at the same time what was the ring is that who's... i'm guessing it's his wedding ring yeah he wears it on a chain around his neck and he takes it out and holds it because then... he hasn't given up right uh, on them yeah yeah and then she i love this he holds the ring and then she holds his hand mm-hmm. over the ring and yeah. in like the last moments of his life they're reunited yeah 
And then it gets, for me, it gets better because the sun comes up even, even more than Stella's strength for him Mm -hmm. to be there for him in his last moments. I love his inter his reactions to and interaction with the sun. It starts Mm, to burn mm -hmm. his face and he buries his head. But then this is pure heart in it. He buries his face to hide from this hated sun that's burning him to death right now. Yeah. But then he opens his eyes back up and looks at the sunrise. And and then his his face is going black. And mm-hmm. then it starts to go that ashy gray of burned paper. He's he's dying. Yeah. He hasn't screamed yet. He's trying to keep it together, I feel like, for Stella. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he can't. And it's kind of a... I love that they don't, um like, blow out the audio on that, though. Yeah. They really lower it down the in screams? the mix. Yeah. Well, did you notice that they also play its echo all the way into the credits? Mm. That... Hawk bird, come on! <laughs> so he he screams, and then we get that like, okay, fast forward. I'm gonna come back, but he screams, he blows away in the wind, and then we get Stella's like angry face, and then it goes to the credits. Mm-hmm. After the scream, buried in the bottom of the audio, you can clearly hear it though. Like it's, we've listener, if you if you listen to it, you'll notice it. He screams, and then underneath it, on a loop, is. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, it's the echo of his scream playing on a loop until the credit music starts. Hmm. The 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 movie goes out in blackness with his scream looping infinitely in the dark. It's amazing. But even more amazing is Hartnett I th- even looks at the sun. And half of the time he's looking at the sun, he looks at it like a cornered animal afraid of an unavoidable and fearsome death. Mm-hmm. It's like he's looking at the sun as though it is the most terrifying and frightening and horrible thing he's ever seen and he would do anything to be away from it. It's that look. It's pure fear. And then so subtly and perfectly you see resolution come into his eyes mm-hmm. and you realize that the other thing that Eben is choosing to do is he's choosing to have the last thing he sees be a beautiful sunrise you know mm-hmm. and not only that the sunrise he's he is literally looking at salvation the sunrise was the salvation of the town because it drove the vampires away it's his salvation because it's killing him and not damning him to a life as a vampire you know it's i love the choice he's like i'm i'm dying i'm going to die right now and if and the last thing that I want the 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 thing that I want to see last in this world is this beautiful sunrise with my wife. And at the same time he has to counterbalance that against the fear of this thing that's killing him. It's just it's this it's this inc- and the pain that he's experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to be in the moment because it's his last moment. I just I love how much is going on in this simple scene? Two people sitting on a hill during the sunrise. That's it. That's all the scene is. And yet, you know, it's. I think it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, and I'm I'm totally in love with it. But you're yawning, and you're ready I'm to go sorry. to bed. It's okay. It is late. I don't know how you're more energetic than I am. I know. Today was my first day back uh, working 4 a.m. shifts, and I'm I'm like, I'm ready to rock. You go to bed. I'm gonna plug my guitar in. 
Um, so, <laughs> listener, thank you. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. I cannot recommend 30 Days of Night highly enough. Go and watch this. It's easy to rent. It's easy to find copies. It's buy this movie. It's fucking way better than people are making it out to be. People just are not watching it closely. Was enough. it not a big movie even in the time that it came out? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. When a was hu- it? Huge hit. Two thousand seven. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like a giant movie. You know, it wasn't a big big hit. Six point. I know six point six out of ten isn't bad on IMDb, yeah. but no, no, no. If I was given this an IMDb rating, this movie for me is like. 8.9 to 9. This is fucking great. There's watch it. Can you name like a like a weak part or a shitty part other than the CG storm that you didn't like that much? Mm. The pacing's great. It's shot well. The sound design's incredible. I feel like it the is a little bit great. long. You think? Yeah. Okay. I'm middle middle stags just a little bit. But all right. Not bad. I, I didn't think so. I I was I was it might just be like we just watched it really late. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. Because there was that one night where, the first night we watched it, it was like eleven and change. And I, was I was like, like I can't do it. I know, and I was like, I have work so early. Can we? We gotta go to bed. But yeah, this I thought this movie's amazing. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, do we have one more this month? I think we do, right? Uh, we have a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, we have one more Patreon, and we might. Is there any more Saturdays in this month? I don't think so. Right? Uh, I don't think so. All right, cool. So starting next month. Bird and I will officially have themes. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to start watching movies that are themes. Although we accidentally ended up doing like vampire flicks and horror movies this month. Um, Do you want to announce our do you want to announce our June theme? Is that what we're doing for June? Do you want to maybe we should hold off. We'll discuss this. I thought we're going to do that in July. July. All right. Let's announce our July theme. June. We we still have to discuss June because it's my birthday month. But uh, Bird has picked her theme for her birthday month, which is July. It's interesting. You're almost you're like not quite, but almost Carl in the terms of the show, because July is Carl's month as well. So your birthday mandate is going to be Max and Bird's romance films. Oh, yeah. Oh, what? What? People who people who know us so well. What? Max and Bird like romance movies. Are we going to watch? Romance movies, Bird, but Max and Bird style. Yeah, it's Max and Bird's romance <laughs> films. Lest you forget, the The Exorcist is our favorite our favorite Christmas right. film. So, uh, <laughs> just yeah, these are a little more uh, yeah. offbeat. Yeah, stay tuned. You're gonna, I think you're gonna like the romance movies that we have picked out, and I think we have enough to do romance movies for Patreon too. Yeah, we came we up with six, and uh, fuck, they're all pretty awesome. They're pretty great. I'm. <laughs> Really excited. So am I. Uh, but we're also excited to go and snuggle our dog. And mm, uh, probably mm-hmm. I'll just go to... Oh, actually, I'll be cutting and posting this episode. Right. But, all right. We uh, we love you all. We appreciate you so much. Hope you're staying safe and enjoying the sun. June is coming up. Check out Patreon. Everything is free right now. Uh, Bird and I just posted the Vampire's Night orgy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> dog shit. It was, it was fucked. It was pretty fucked. <laughs> Um, yeah, so all sorts of good stuff. We love you. We'll talk to you real soon. Uh, um, bye-bye.